Welcome in to another edition of Inside Carolina Live. Ooh, it's not Inside Carolina Live. It's Inside Carolina's Game Plan. Ooh, it's going to be one of those shows. We're sponsored by Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com. Jason, uh, I've had the first turnover of the game and literally on the opening kickoff. Help me out here. <laughs> You're muted. Two turnovers in the first uh, 10 seconds of the show. We were uh, just talking off air about how we how this had been a long week for the both of us, and we are we are not on our game to start. Let's Let's just say that preliminarily North Carolina is going to come have to come out more ready to play than we came out on this uh on this opening of the game plan podcast in order to have success this Saturday yeah uh we we virtually fumbled the opening kickoff we we lost the coin toss and we fumbled the opening kickoff um I'll give you my excuse um as we let folks roll in here shout out to the folks that are already here uh I was mentioning to Jason off the air so I scheduled a skydiving trip today. It's fall break at Chapel Hill. Both boys were home. We are uh, excited. Get up at 5, 5.30 in the morning. Get on the road. We're going to do it down at Southport. And uh, before we could get in, even out of the county, they call. And mind you, it is a perfect morning. It is beautiful. Not a cloud in the sky here. Uh, perfect morning. Get a call from Southport airport saying that the weather's too bad they're canceling our trip so that's my excuse folks i have been on an adrenaline downfall ever since walked about six miles to try to run some of it get some of it off but anyway we're here we did not overlook this game plan uh preston you know we're going to bring it every week so are you at the age now where you walk in order to run things off is that how that works <laughs> exactly i just walk as fast as possible <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not in my driveway like you were doing that time after you lost a bet with us doing, doing, uh, what were you doing? Like wind sprints out there. No, I was doing that 300 again? shuttles. You remember? And it wasn't because I lost a bet. I don't lose many of those. I've lost one to you now, but, uh, but no, that was because I showed up late. If you remember. That's right. That was the That's penalty. right. And you got, uh, you got fined. Yep. I, I, I was just there. So I didn't get fined. <laughs> and so every, uh, every time. Uh, Jason has been on time or early since then. Uh, shout out to the folks here. Jason, let's get rolling. Uh, in all seriousness, um, this is going to be a fun show, I promise. Uh, and, all, and, and no Greg Barnes tonight. Greg has the night off. Um, Well-deserved. If you haven't read Greg's column on uh, Mac Brown's use of the portal, check it out up on the website. We'll have a next level next week. Um, I didn't want to do a premature next level like we did a couple of years or last year um, when we had somebody on to talk about Heisman trophies and all. But Jason, a lot of people said, and we talked about, we would know more about this North Carolina team after the first four games of the season. Well, we got to that point. We didn't really know a ton. Um, said we would know a lot more about this North Carolina team after Syracuse and Miami. And granted, they showed a ton there. It would be interesting to see how Miami and Clemson do. But I really think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but I definitely want your take, I really think we'll find out a lot about this team after Virginia and Georgia Tech. Because how do they play when they're expected to win and when they're getting all the flowers that they've gotten this past week? Virginia comes to town, not a good football team. Um and I told you earlier today, I have a soft spot for them for what that program's been through over the last couple of years or, or last year. Um, but one in five, they've beaten William and Mary, and that's it. And then you have a Georgia Tech team that has given Carolina fits. So where do you see this North Carolina team going into these two games? And what has to happen against Virginia and then moving on to Georgia Tech? We're not going to overlook Virginia, but what has to happen for you to – um, sort of raise the ante on this bunch. 
Well, I mean, the biggest thing is, can they continue to build? So it's not just, look, this is a team that should survive both of these games. Right, they've got enough at this point that you would expect them to be able to survive. Although, I mean, again, last year, that Georgia Tech team that beat them last year was not as good as the Georgia Tech team out there this year. So, you know, number one is survive. If they can keep surviving and get to, you know, 8-0, that's, 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 that's a pretty good start. It'll be 8-0, right? Uh, or are they 5-0 now? Six no, um, they'd be eight no yeah, after. Yeah, so yeah. they'd be eight no. Uh, get to eight no, and that in itself speaks. But the thing I'm looking forward to because after eight no, that the, the, the or, well after nine and zero, if they get to that point, the schedule gets a lot tar- a lot tougher. You know, going to Clemson is still not trivial. That's a good Clemson team. I mean, they they have fumbled away a couple games that they should have won, but that is that should not negate the fact that that is a good Clemson team. And that's the best defense, I think, in the ACC. One of the best defenses in the country. And it and it's equipped to stop some of the stuff you do best. So what you better start doing, if you have any plans of beating that team and, and plan for more than just an opportunity to play in the ACC title game, you have to build each of these next couple weeks, next three weeks. You have to build and improve in areas that you are going to need to be at full at you know, hitting on on all cylinders when you're playing the best teams on your schedule at the end. So looking at this game specifically, uh, it's interesting. They play two quarterbacks. We've talked about that. We asked Mac, Gene Chizik about it. Um, but Tony Musket appears to start. Um, I saw Calandria against NC State some, I guess. Um, they haven't been great. Looking at them, they're completing together. They're both right at 62%, 10 touchdowns, 8 interceptions. Um, on its face, we'll talk about the Carolina defense to start this half. On its face, it looks like this is a game that North Carolina can really tee off on these two quarterbacks. Um, what do you see? Like, Is this a game, somebody in the chat said, Cedric Gray is going to go off in a game like this. You know, Power Echoes is getting all these accolades. And shout out to Power for for getting these All American accolades, but you have Power on some of those teams and not Cedric Gray. I don't know if they've got names mixed up or or what, but either way, impressive. North Carolina's defense against this game against this Virginia offense seems like a good opportunity for the defense to sort of build on their success. Yeah, I mean, anytime you play an offense that's having trouble scoring against bad defenses, it's an opportunity to look real good and continue to polish up your your execution. Uh, and that's what you're that's what you're playing against this this week. You're playing against a team that's that's turned it over, like you said, and it's not not very explosive, and uh, is is not especially uh, consistent across the board either. So. You know, it's one of those things that when you watch Virginia right now, it's when you watch their offense right now, there is a little bit of the office space thing going. Like, what is it that exactly you think you're really good at here? <laughs> right? I mean, it's it's pretty close to to that, you know. Uh, they don't have a whole lot that they do that that – is especially impressive. Now that doesn't mean though that this is not a team that just like Georgia Tech last year, you're coming off you're coming off a high of of I think a, a beatdown of a pretty good team. I think that Miami team is a good team. I do too. I mean I, I regardless of how that probably should have been a you know it was a 10 point win. You know, you're up four you're up 17 late in the fourth quarter. That was a beatdown. Statistically though, that was a closer game than the scoreboard. I mean, again, Miami fumbled going into the end zone. Drake May fumbled in his own end zone. And North Carolina recovered both of them. That right there is a big difference in the game, right? And then you have uh, that you have one other fumble that turned into points for Carolina. So statistically much closer than the scoreboard, but you still beat him down on the scoreboard. And you're feeling pretty good coming out of that. And this is a Virginia team that just like Georgia Tech last year, 
with you know the right angle and the right shot they could they could actually put one in you and that's that's what you have to worry about here you have to worry about a team that's very motivated where you're feeling pretty good coming off of the other one and uh like you said you're starting to feel the accolades a little bit and maybe the execution isn't quite as sharp during during the week of practice and you don't come in and and play your best up front they they slow the game down you got a few a couple fewer extra uh, fewer possessions than you normally have and then all of a sudden it's a ball game into the fourth quarter and you know one turnover all of a sudden changes everything and you lose a game i mean that's how that stuff happens we've seen it for how many years too many to count for sure can't take it for granted and this is still a team that can beat you because of you know guys like paris jones i think he's a good back uh he's a guy that you have to get on the ground and he's been hard for for teams to do that uh and you know malachi fields and malik washington a wide receiver offer them some potential there i mean a 6-4 receiver and then a 5-8 guy who can run you, they give you some things that that are are going to give you some challenges on the outside and on the inside that you have to take care of business so you can't overlook this team but it is a team that you absolutely should be uh back to your point against miami when you recover two fumbles in your own end zone <laughs> uh you we talk about how fumbles are a function of luck and randomness you got pretty randomly lucky uh, and, and they they turned the game for North Carolina against Miami. But to well, your point, you you think about it. There were three fumbles in that game, right? Total. Carolina recovered them all. Carolina recovered all three. Mm-hmm. You reverse that in that game. If it's not even, I mean, Miami might win that game if you reverse that. And if it if it's just you know two and one, that's still probably a closer ball game. You know, that's that's still still in doubt. So, I mean, that's where you gotta, you gotta, uh, that's if I'm the coaching staff, I'm reminding these guys of that all week. Don't think you got all this solved because, you know, just because you got, got a couple things that bounced your way, you know, when in the game where those things don't bounce your way, you're still going to have to make sure that you, uh, that you handle business and, and that's, that's football. And that's, that's what they're going to have to take care of knowing that at some point, reversion to the mean happens those bounces go some other team's way and you still got to win those games yeah you've got a, you know it's easy to win the turnover margin and then win the game it's tough to lose the turnover margin and win the game uh, north carolina's got one of those coming at some point we'll see jason you mentioned uh, virginia's wide receivers and, and folks keep dropping questions in the chat i'm doing my best to keep up with them we've got a bunch already we'll get to those after the break for sure um but you mentioned Malik Washington, Malachi Fields. It's pretty incredible. We talked about Restrepo last week and the the overwhelming majority of, of receptions that he had for Miami. <laughs> it's, it's more uh, extreme. Uh, I know. Carol, uh, Virginia has 111 catches on the season. Washington and Fields combined for 75 95. of those. Now, I'm not good at math, but that seems like a very uh, – <laughs> it, it seems like – pretty close to Drake May's uh, pass completion percentage is about 70 some percent. So North Carolina's got a couple good corners. Marcus Allen's played well. Tayon Holloway's grown up. Uh, Elijah Huzzy's been the guy. So, so who is Huzzy on this week? Somebody in the chat, ask it. I'll go ahead and ask who, where does Huzzy do his damage in that Virginia uh, passing attack this week? Um, I mean, he. I think he's still going to mostly be in that slot corner role. So I think Fields will play in there a decent amount. So, uh, so you you probably see Huzzy on Fields a good amount. I mean, he's your your five eight guy that they've got in the slot a decent amount. Uh, sometimes you'll see him on Harrison and all that. I don't think you'll see him much on Washington because Washington is mostly an outside guy in their scheme. So that so, falls to Allen and. Holloway and or Holloway and or yeah, Chapman. Alan, Chapman. Alan Holloway and Chapman and Chapman played more against Miami too. I mean, he played 30 snaps against Miami. He and he and uh, Holloway basically split reps against Miami. And I would expect to see that here too. Uh, so I, I think 
I think you're going to see mostly those outside corners match up against him. And and I don't think they'll travel anybody on him. I think it's going to be, be a matter of, you know, he's just going to wind up lining up against whichever outside corners on the side of the field he goes to. I don't think there's a whole lot of reason necessarily to travel him unless you start having your number two corner start losing a little bit on him. And then maybe you, maybe you say, okay, look, they're throwing half their balls to this guy and this guy, you know, you know, Allen is our, they feel the best about Marcus Allen on, in coverage out there. You know, maybe you have him travel and, and flip your, flip your receivers some depending on where he goes. I mean, there, you can do that, but I think, I think Virginia is going to make that tough to do. Uh, shout out to Dennis from San Diego. Love that place. It's expensive, but I love some San Diego. And then I saw somebody else say they're new to the chat. Jimmy Lee, shout out a new fella. And, and of course, shout out to all the regulars in here. Um, post where you're from. Let's see who gets the furthest away. Um, we've had Belgium. Um, we've had like Baghdad before. Uh, so folks got to get got to get some miles away from home base here to to beat those records. Speaking of traveling, and that was a great person, that's perfect travel thing, but you mentioned cornerbacks travel. Carolina doesn't do that a lot. When was the last time you remember? I can't remember a time that's Carolina's totally matched up best corner on best receiver. I, I mean, I think the pretty- last time that happened was probably maybe Butch's last year, maybe 09. Where they would, that's, they would that's, play those matches. I, I don't think, I don't think I remember it since then. Yeah, it's interesting. That that would be a Greg Barnes. Uh, I'm sure I don't know that Greg would know that. Well, he, now he, now now that's a challenge for him. I'm not sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to remember that. I have to make myself a note, Greg. Last time North Carolina played a matchup, corner on whatever receiver, follow him everywhere you go. Digging in on North Carolina's game plan against Virginia, we're staying on the defensive side. Robert Lowe and Defuniac. Wow. I knew some folks from Defuniac when I was down in Florida. I can't say I've ever heard of that. Defuniac Springs. Yeah. It's, well, you haven't heard of it because there's not a whole lot of people from there. <laughs> this is sticks, man. It sounds like somebody got lost uh, and just, where the Funiac are we? <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, so, so let me ask you a question about Virginia's game plan on offense. They've struggled mightily. Um, you, you've got the quarterbacks there. They're what six games in? Carolina's six games in. Is there anything new at this point in the season? Do you think that North Carolina could see that Virginia hadn't done? I mean, it, it, for teams usually preparing this deep into the season, and it's not like an NC State North Carolina matchup. How much new do you see midway through the season, Jason? Well, I think in, in in Virginia's case, I doubt they've been able to hold much back. And the other thing is, with the particular approach to coaching, to, to preparation that they have, uh, they, they're they not a out-scheme-you type team as much. You know, they, they, uh, they, they brought in some guys that were from sort of the, the Clemson approach. I mean, that's where that's where uh, their head coach is from, and it was much more try to simplify and let guys play fast and work from there. And I mean, it's not worked all that well without without the athletes. But I mean, I there there's wrinkles that you always save for for your for your rivals. There's little things that you can do, and you can play with tendencies. So, you know, let's say. You know, you usually rip Liz in this situation and you know that they know that you're 35% rip Liz in this situation and you show rip Liz and then all of a sudden you run to, or you rotate to two trap and you're just trying to, trying to get them get on one or two occasions, get the quarterback to throw into the wrong spot and get a pick. It's things like that, that you can do where you, you know what your tendencies are and you study them and you bust your tendency in a rivalry game. That's some of the stuff that you can do, but I'm not sure that that schematically, in terms of having a lot of stuff that they haven't shown at all, I'm not sure that you really expect to see a whole lot of that. Maybe a couple trick plays or something like that. Something if they get in the red zone, maybe they have something you know to try to uh, get a cheap one. I mean, again, when North Carolina this week played against Miami, they had a couple of them ready for the red zone, where it's like, okay, they hadn't really. There's one they hadn't shown since uh, 
I think it was South Carolina or maybe, maybe, uh, maybe, yeah, it was either South Carolina or Minnesota. And then there, there was another that they hadn't shown yet. And each of them off a mush off of a muddle huddle, really trying to get a little bit of a quick edge. You can do some of those things. I'm sure that, that, that Virginia has a couple of that kind of wrinkle in, but in terms of doing a whole lot and having a whole, you know, first series or two series of just new type stuff. Okay. Well, they haven't run this formation all year and you know, these concepts are new. I, I don't, I don't expect a whole lot. Yeah. It's an interesting question. You know, I asked, I think I asked Gene Chizik after or, or head of Syracuse, is, you know, at what point have you seen everything a team can do? And we're certainly getting to that save. Like you mentioned the, the, uh, the big rivalries. I mean, I'm sure against NC state, Twelfth game of the season, they'll probably have something good, and vice versa. When we're looking at this Virginia offense, um, where can they have success from from watching North Carolina's defense? Where are they susceptible? Is it still in the run game? Uh, I mean, they're giving up what just over a hundred yards a game rushing. It, where is North Carolina vulnerable, even to a team like Virginia, um, or is it entirely a focus? execution thing this weekend I, I think there are a couple things that virginia can do to beat you one is turnovers yep right and that that's the thing i mean if you look at historically if you look at teams that are say top 10 top 15 teams that lose to a you know one and five or two and six type team the immediate thing you can do is, is look at the turnover column and it's almost always lopsided they're, it's very rare that you're going to get two teams that are mismatched in terms of the record books like that, where you're going to get one, you're going to get the the lesser team winning without being plus two or three on the on the on the, uh, on the turnover margin. So that's number one. And what what you're trying to do defensively is again you're trying to to mix a little bit and break your tendencies, drop a guy into a place where you know North Carolina likes to run a hot route, that sort of thing. That's the sort of thing that you can do to try to gain an edge. You know, can you? Can you have a little wrinkle and know that, okay, they like to go to this concept in this situation. Can we have a guy undercut that from this side and just take a gamble and get a pick, you know, or can we get an unblocked rusher a couple times and maybe, maybe force a fumble? I mean, Miami very nearly did that <laughs> in the end zone, right? Mm -hmm. It's that sort of thing. That's the number one beyond that. I think it's shortening the football game by being able to run the football well enough with Paris Jones in particular, uh, be able to run the football well enough to shorten the game. And if you, if you do go plus one, maybe plus two in the, on the turnover column and North Carolina, you know, scores 27, 34 points, maybe, maybe you're able to get a, a special teams play. Maybe you're able to, to, to run the football enough that you can, you can squeeze out a couple extra, a couple extra drives for yourself of efficiency and limit North Carolina. Maybe, maybe you can hold Carolina to 24 on say seven or eight possessions instead of 12 possessions. That's, that's the kind of thing you're trying to do if you're Virginia here, at least I would be. Yeah. People in the chat saying, uh, I'm, I'm reading the chat, but I'm also answering this question. Mark Williams said earlier at nine Oh four, before we even barely got started, can you ever relax being a Carolina football fan? Thus, the questions about what Virginia can do against to Campbell. survive. To survive, yeah. Relax and then there's that. Mac Brown shared the cheese comment again, and some of the media and a lot of the fans have run with it. It's one of those games where you don't eat cheese here as well. Uh, let me check chat one more second. Anything new? We're not doing predictions yet. Uh, we, we can't do predictions yet. I see, uh, the, uh, Drake may quote unquote, Drake may's in the chat, oh, living it a up. Flyby guy. Oh, sweet. Where's it? Oh yeah. Nice. Look. I'll read that one. Hey, Tommy, I led the flyby in the UVA game that you shouted out in last year's pod. This is my first post. Thanks for the mention last year, Brent Allen, 94. Yeah. And those... It those are freaking amazing flybys sometimes, man. And it, that one back in the day or several years ago remain, remains the best one I've ever seen. Um, wish it, we'd it, see those things, but yeah, a couple, a couple of those, a couple of ones I've seen have that one beat, but that's, that was 
the, yeah, the 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 stealth bomber over the Rose Bowl, I think, is probably the one that. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I put number one. Were you there in person? I was. Oh man, that's awesome. They they flew the they flew the B two right, right Spirit over right over and opened up the throttle right over the Rose Bowl. That was freaking amazing. That yes. that was a, that was a memorable. Definitely uh, one of those things when you when you see them when you see that thing it's too late. Or you usually never see it and uh, to yeah, be able was, to see it. And they, and they flew that in low. I mean, those are usually real high altitude, and they they brought that in real low. There was one other one I remember, a B one that was at full throttle. And I don't think any. I mean, if you haven't been close to those, uh, hearing that in at full throttle, only maybe two hundred feet above the stadium. And they just opened, they've opened everything up right as they got there. That's one of the loudest sounds you will ever hear. And it was just so amazing to see, you know, just an enormous B1 flying over at that, at that altitude. Indeed. Let me, let me ask one more question about North Carolina's defense. Cause, uh, Drew in the chat asked this, who has more tackles on the season, Des Evans or Tayon Holloway? It's gotta be Tayon, right? I would think it's got to be. I have to go. I have to check the notes. See, I, I'm usually somewhat prepared. Uh, they actually have the exact same. Both have 15 <laughs> tackles on Great the season question. on the uh, North Carolina thing. But but I asked that because I want to reference uh, Grant Hughes's article at Inside Carolina. Matchups to watch: Des Evans versus Virginia right tackle Jimmy Christ. What can Des Evans do, Jason? He he is he has shown his improvement. What can he do to take an even further next step? Do you think? Uh, get a quarterback or two on the ground. He's only I mean, he's got one. one sack on the season. And the thing is, I mean, this is not a criticism. He's been getting pressure, and I've said for how many years now that what matters more than sacks is pressure. In which <laughs> he has five been, hurries. The guy's been doing his business. He's been taking care of that. I'd like to see from him the thing that he can do is is just be a little more consistent with the uh, with the, with the pressure, and and continue to you know just maybe one more per game and 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 actually get one where he finishes because he's getting close, but he's just not getting that final burst around the edge or that final little move to to get himself clear to to get the quarterback down before the ball's out and you know that's that's really the next step but he's been really good against the uh against the uh the, the run all season yeah shout out to timmy ann watching unc women's soccer and us at the same time T- uh miss ann i need a score update because i don't have that on the second screen uh but yes, i am please going to- let, let us know yep carolina notre dame women playing in uh, Dorrance Field, on Dorrance Field, there in Chapel Hill. Let me do a shout-out to Johnny T-Shirt and JohnnyT-Shirt.com, sponsors of this podcast. It's getting chilly, folks. Stop by Johnny mm-hmm. T-Shirt ahead of the Virginia game. Get your crew neck sweatshirts. Get you some hoodies. Get your NIL jerseys. Get you anything you need, and you get your 10% off when you're an Inside Carolina Premium subscriber. I heard Taylor Ripples talk about coming to town and dropping a bag at Johnny T-shirt and leaving with a big bag, a bigger mm. bag. Woo! Uh, you need to do that if you're in town. Come by, you know, if you if you can make it to the Bulls Light, come by and shout us out at Inside Carolina Live. But if you're not at the Bulls Light, at least get by Johnny T-shirt and and support them as they support us. We're going to take a short break. Let the national guys pay the bills. It's the game plan. It's just Jason and I this week, and it's Virginia on Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Jason, flipping over sides of the ball. Um, I feel like we are assuming North Carolina's defense can handle Virginia. I feel like that's a bad assumption to make, um, given how much Carolina football I've watched over the years, but we've done it. So I'm going to let it be. And I'm going to go to questions in the chat, and I'm going to ask you this. Jason Adams in the chat asked this. 
Is there a better three-headed monster combo in the nation other than May, Hampton, and Walker? And without us going through the entire nation thinking about it, can you remember a better, I guess maybe uh, Dami Brown, Sam Howe, and Javante Williams or Michael Carter were pretty solid. But point being, Carolina's loaded at skill positions. Your thoughts. How good is that trio of May, Hampton, and Walker? It's absolutely up there in terms of that. Hang on just a second. <laughs> I have a visitor here who left their phone in, in this uh, room, so that uh, – not helpful, but anyway. Let's um, order stuff. We need to order food. Let's order on their apps. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, you could make a case for that being the best, the best trio. I think. Um, you might argue. I, I think. I think there's a, a trio or four guys in Tallahassee that would have an argument uh, with Benson at running back. Uh, Keon Coleman at wide receiver, Jordan Travis at quarterback. But I think you'd take May at quarterback. Uh, Hampton and Benson are pretty close at running back, I think, this year in terms of where they're at. Benson's a little more explosive. I think Hampton's a better inside runner. Uh, and then Coleman is a is a better all-around receiver than Walker. But Walker is is faster and and in some, some ways brings a different kind of threat. Uh, so... I mean, that's competitive. Uh, now, you add Johnny Wilson to that down there. That's another – that's a fourth guy. But, again, you got McCollum that now is a is a fourth guy for Carolina. So, I mean, those are – that's that's as good a, a trios as you're going to get in the country. I don't I, – off the top of my head, I'm not thinking of a whole lot more. Maybe, maybe uh, you know, Jaden Daniels, Neighbors, and, and uh, number 11, their other receiver down at, at LSU would be another trio that I'd put up there. But they don't have a back that's anything special uh yeah i mean what brock bowers wh whichever run georgia running back you want to throw out there and uh and and uh carson beck right i mean but bowers is done for a while so. yeah so i mean if, if we're thinking about that that's i i don't think there's four teams in the country that have a better trio than that offensively and and Honestly, when Drake May is one of the three, that automatically gives you an edge over everybody. Are you taking him first in the draft? I've seen a lot of that talk coming up after Honestly, Caleb Williams's Notre Dame debacle. So, I mean, I, I think you kind of have to ignore the Notre Dame debacle. I mean, you got enough tape on both guys. I've said for over a year that if it were me, I'd I'd very strongly consider taking Drake over over Caleb. Uh, and it's. <laughs> It's a hard decision to make because Caleb does give you sort of Mahomes vibes in terms of some of the some of the throwing talent that he has and the ability to make plays off script. You know, just run around there for a while. He's a terrific athlete and real solidly built. And just you know, some of the you know sixty yards on a on a on a rope kind of throws that he makes are Mahomes esque. And you know, you don't want to pass on another on another Mahomes, right? Mm -hmm. But Drake does so many things so well, and I think he sees stuff faster than Caleb does. Uh, I think I think he diagnoses just a little quicker and anticipates a little faster. I don't think he's quite as much throwing talent in terms of of the raw arm the raw arm strength and you know some of those things. But I think he's actually a, a little bit better touch thrower uh, and has at least equivalent hand talent. And as an athlete, I don't think he's he's given much away. So, if I'm looking at that, you know, I also think Drake has a has a has has only scratched the surface of his ceiling. Mm -hmm. I think Drake has a lot more to improve as a player, just in terms of cleaning, still cleaning certain stuff up, and getting more comfortable making making plays on script. And I think he's actually a better on script player than than Caleb Williams already. So, I mean, I'm one of those people that would very strongly consider making that call. I, I would I would need to do a more deep dive film study and probably want to talk to both people if I was in the front office of a of a uh, of a of a, uh, an NFL franchise making that decision. 
But right now, I'd probably lean to Drake. The other thing is that I think culturally speaking, in terms of the leadership qualities that I'm looking for in a long-term franchise guy, I think I think Drake is is going to be a guy that is going to be able to manage a locker room really, really well. I think he's going to be a guy that is not going to be a problem in terms of uh, some of the money, potential money stuff that might come down. Um, and, and not to say that uh, that Caleb would be, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure that, that that Drake has those qualities as a as a franchise type guy that I I feel comfortable with as the cornerstone of my franchise in my city, and that matters too. What about this question? This is interesting from Fletch. He says you can't scramble for twenty seconds in the NFL, and obviously Mahomes does sometimes, but yeah, but he's really the only one. And you have guys like, uh, I mean, the Panthers made a mistake last year. You can't convince me otherwise. But I mean, I feel like Drake processes and gets that ball away rather than trying to use his feet as much as Caleb Williams does maybe not as much, but there are still, I mean, I still would like to see another 10 or 15% of the time. I'd like to see Drake get rid of it faster rather than trying to tuck in and tuck and, you know, work between rushers and all that. And I've, I've used the film film session uh, a couple times on inside Carolina, you know, the, the film film stuff that we do. I've used that a couple times to, to point out where he's done that. And you can see that sometimes where, he'll feel a little bit of that pressure and his he's such again like Caleb he's such a good athlete that he feels like he can squeeze through a gap or whatever and and get yardage when sometimes he would just be better off dropping the throw off and he's gotten better at that this year and i think he's better at that than than Caleb Williams is but both guys have a little work to do on that and and Drake is still a guy i mean there were a couple times against Miami where the eyes came down faster than they should have against the rush and you know it's like ah, just get that out just a little quicker uh still still a work in progress there still growing but if you watched Caleb against uh against Notre Dame he was really out of sorts when they got the pressure on him and and took some things away so you know again I I I like what I see from from Drake May as a you know potential future future Super Bowl winner uh you know that's if I'm drafting a guy first in the in in the NFL draft I'm hoping that that guy is a Super Bowl winner multiple Super Bowl winner as a quarterback that's what I'm if that's not a guy that I think I can build a team around and win Super Bowls with I'm not I don't want to take him and I'm pretty confident that Drake May can do that Uh, and I think again in the NFL you have to have a guy who can make plays on script from the pocket first and then if he has all that other stuff on top of it that's that that that's when you have a a pro quarterback, but I think Drake can do all the stuff that, uh, that you're seeing from Purdy out in, out in, uh, San Francisco in terms of just managing a football game and making those throws and just playing within himself. And I think he can make a lot of that off script stuff as he gets to the NFL and just continues to get comfortable. I think he's, I think he's an automatic, easy transition to the NFL. Yep. And, and that's Jordan Taylor's comment there. I posted on the board or on the, on the screen, Drake's game translates. Caleb's is wait and see. I, I agree with that. I, you know, I just think um, guys that like to scramble a ton when they're not named Patrick Mahomes or, or somebody like that, eventually going to get killed and uh, get hurt and all that. And I think we've seen that year after year. Even with a guy like Lamar Jackson, he's gotten hurt. He's been great in the pros, but he's gotten hurt trying to do all that. And to your point, Jason, stay on script. Manage the game from the pocket, and I think Drake does that. I mean, Let's, look at the guys who've won. I mean, Mahomes has had some success, obviously, right? He's won, what, now two yep. Super Bowls? Mm-hmm. But look at the guys who've won multiple Super Bowls as quarterbacks. How many of those guys are guys that are really off-script quarterbacks, historically? That's Tom Brady's point. got seven. If that guy ran a 40 under 5-4 by you know the time he was winning 5-6-7, and seven, I'd, I'd have been shocked. Peyton Manning could barely move, right? I mean, when he'd get out on on some of the the boot stuff that they do sometimes around the goal line, and you know he'd like hoof it to the corner pylon, you know, from the one yard line on that, and you'd see like if he's running five point seven in the forty, <laughs> you know, it's, a, it's a miracle. Uh, you know, Eli Manning was a decent athlete, but he was no scrambler, yeah. right? 
he got two. Uh, you know, who else, who else has won multiple Super Bowls? Not in this era, right? So yeah. then you go back to Elway. Elway could play off script, but he was a he was an on script first guy, right? So you know Montana was an off script player, but but he he became a very disciplined on script player for a long time, right? So you start going down the list. If you want to have a lot of success as an NFL quarterback, you have to be a really good on script, especially in the playoffs. You have to be able to cut people up from the pocket. And, you know, because even the Lamar Jackson, Lamar Jackson is really, really good. And in the playoffs, there's been just, it's just, he's just not broken through, partly because he hasn't had the team that Mahomes has had. But, you know, I think that that's a factor. That's something you have to consider. You have to have a guy that can cut you up from the pocket. Word for the day, on script, two words for the day, on script, quarterback, Jason Staples. Circling back, Tar Heel Wizard, you get what you want right now. What's North Carolina's game plan against UVA? I think on the defensive side we've covered, you stop the run and you force one of those two quarterbacks to beat you with their arm. But North- And force them to throw to someone other than their 6'4 guy. <laughs> yes, in- right? indeed. He does not need 25 away. catches. <laughs> Cover the two guys that have 75% of your catches force them to win with their arm throwing to literally anybody else on the field. (laughs) (laughs) And that is literally the plan. Literally the plan. Offensively, I will tease an article that comes out tomorrow. It is uh, the great thing about being uh, working for Inside Carolina is I get to see Buck Sanders' great work early. So it's like I get Christmas a day early. Um, He talks about running the football. Jason, is that North Carolina's bread and butter? tomorrow is you need to get drake's you know you need to get that done but carolina could legitimately sit back and hand it off 65 times tomorrow and probably have some decent success talk about that yeah i think this is a game where with so virginia has some problems on both on the line of scrimmage on both sides which is why they're one and five right your plan in this game Win the line of scrimmage on the on the defensive side, force them to throw the football to anybody other than those two. On the on the offensive side, win the line of scrimmage, continue to pound the rock with the with the way that you've wanted to do all year, and be two dimensional so that you can you know pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock over the top to Tez Walker, over the top to JJ Jones, pound the rock, pound the rock, RPO to McCollum on the glance route. You know, these are things that they're just, you know, you just basically run your your base offense and you hope you come out of this game with, say, 35, 40 carries for your backs for 250, 300 yards. You know, 250 yards rushing, that's fine. And then maybe 200, and, 200 to 250 yards passing on some big plays down the field. You don't get your quarterback hit pretty much at all. You feel real good about that game. And if you dominate pounding the rock and get, you know, your backs out for, you know, 15, 20 yard chunks, not only are you dominating that game, but you're also probably not turning it over. So, you know, that that's how you how you put down a lesser opponent is you just go ahead and take care of business at the line of scrimmage. You make it so that when you throw, you're throwing on play action or 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 RPO stuff when you want to throw and, you know, just move on, get out of there without, without giving up a bunch of hits on your quarterback. Yep. Virginia giving up 177 on the ground, actually only running themselves for less than a hundred game sets up. Um, and, and, and Buck's column, you guys read it tomorrow. We'll, uh, see what I mean by Buck laying it out there. Jason, as far as, Drake's numbers in a game like this. And, and I hesitate to even assume North Carolina is going to win. I've been around, been doing this too long. But what what does an ideal game from Drake look like? Hampton and Brooks, like you said, 35 to 40 carries. Caleb Hood gets some run in there. Um, I'd like to see a couple of jet sweeps to McCollum and, and Tez Walker as well. But what is ideal for Drake in a game that you feel like you have the talent advantage. You have the trench advantage. Um, 
you don't need to have a Drake made day. So what's ideal for him? Yeah, I think this is one of those games where, you know, 23 for 26 <laughs> for you know, 200, okay, 240, for 240 yards and three scores is kind of ideal. That's really what you want. Is that doable? So, yeah. Tez Walker still the guy? Or do you work in some of these other guys? You get J.J. Jones involved. Kobe Pacers down. People were all over us to talk about Kobe last week. Obviously, he's down for the uh, foreseeable future. Is this a guy – is this a freshman wide receiver game? It, it, or is this just rely on who you have? What was interesting to me, and I understand why they did it, but you had three receivers play all but one snap last week. I don't think I've seen that from a North Carolina team that's run wide receivers in and out for years. Um, is this a game we see more depth there? I, I think you see it. I think you do see it, but I think you see it once the game's in hand. I think right now they're keeping the rotation tight because they want to make sure that they're that they're getting everybody. I mean, again, you had two you have two transfers that are two of your your key players on offense. You got to make sure those guys are absolutely gelled and on the same page with your quarterback. They need reps. They need reps in games. Right. That's you, you got to make sure you're doing that not just for now but for later. So, That's what people forget. Walker's only played he, – he's played two games, but let's – I mean, he's, he's – prepared, like, for one yeah. and a half. Yeah. Right? So, he needs he needs game reps. And he needs more opportunity. I mean, if you're going to go out and beat Clemson and then, you know, Florida State in the ACC title game most likely, if you're going to go out and try to do that and, you know, you got State between them, right? I mean – that's a stretch where you're going to have to have those guys absolutely on the same page. And so you want to make sure that they're, they're taking care of business and that they're on the same page right now you're building. But what you're hoping to do is you're hoping that first half you can, you can get that, that stuff out of the way. And then you start rotating when you're up 21, 28. Right. So how quickly can North Carolina get up? And this is something we've talked about. I mean, what did what did Greg Barnes say at the very beginning of the year? If North Carolina wants to take the next step forward to where they're an actual contender, what do they have to do? Dispose of these type teams quickly. You gotta put a couple bullets in their head early. <laughs> you cannot have that zombie coming back right? Don't get stingy. Go ahead and put them down and it's done, right? You got to double tap. Yep. Once you're, once you've done that, now you can, the benefit of blowing teams out is you build further depth. It's one of the, one of the benefits. The other is you stay healthier. So, you know, if Carolina's up 14 to nothing at the half, you're not going to see much rotation. If they're down, you're definitely not going to see much rotation. But if you go into the half 27 to nothing, you're going to start seeing other wide receivers in there. Second, third drive of the third quarter. By the fourth quarter, you're going to get those guys out of there. You know, it's if it's 34 to nothing or, you know, 40, 42 to six, you know, that sort of thing. If you get those numbers, then you're then you can then you can start to really develop the the depth and that helps you not just for this year but for later for for future years and it keeps guys happy and keeps them from wanting to transfer that sort of thing uh and it it keeps you from having the sort of thing that happened against Georgia Tech they didn't rotate much against Georgia Tech last year yep and if you know again if I'm Mac Brown the next 2 weeks I keep reminding this team about Georgia Tech last year absolutely do you remember that feeling guys a couple you know some of those transfers don't the rest of them, you remember what that felt like? You remember how that was? You remember wh- how you didn't prepare quite right during the week? Remember how you how you paid for that? I'm 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 replaying last year. The week after this, the great thing is you're playing Georgia Tech. You've got an opportunity to just stick last year's Georgia Tech film in and just go. Same coach, guys. Yep. See that? See that right there? That's what you do. 
Let me. Uh, we got a bunch of questions in the chat. I promise I'm gonna try to get to all of them. It's already yeah, it's time. Forty nine minutes in. Uh, somebody wants to talk about the offensive line. I felt like last week the offensive line uh, wasn't ready for what Miami had for them, they and it and it led to some holds. Uh, Corey Gaynor talked about it. Um, he had a couple. You know, you can argue about whether or not refs were calling, what they weren't calling, whatever. The bottom line is they called them. What do you need to see? in a minute tell me what you need to see from North Carolina's offensive line to believe that they've washed that Miami stench off now granted they turned it up in the second half against Miami made some adjustments but they did make some schematic adjustments it was ugly to start with I mean it was clear they could not block them what's that line need to do Saturday to sort of get back in that good state of mind especially pass blocking well, I mean, honestly, some of it's just going to be playing against a team that's nowhere near as good as Miami up front. Miami's the best team you play, you've played up front all year if you're if you're that offensive line, and it's not close. We said that going into the game. Like, look, South Carolina, not that good up front on the defensive line. App State, nope. Minnesota, nope. You start going down that list. Up until Miami, they hadn't played a team that was any that was any good up front. Miami play you you play Miami, and they actually have some dudes up front, and they gave them trouble. I'm not sure that Virginia has a whole lot that that scares you there. The biggest thing is just being really consistent in pass pro. I, I mean, I think they've been pretty good in the run game all season, and they were good against Miami in the run game, even the first half. And they dominated the running game in the second half. Uh, I think it's a good run blocking line. And that is, you know, that's Randy Clements' specialty. I mean, that's what he does. He's gonna have a he's gonna have a line that can that can knock your knock your butt back. And they have been getting vertical displacement. That is a that is a physical group. But in pass blocking, they've got to just be more consistent. I'd like to see a little bit better fundamentals from your you know, fresh left tackle excuse me, from, from your freshman left tackle. I'd like to see better communication and, and, you know, handling of some twists and stunts and different things like that from the guards. And, and, and again, from, you know, the guards on the inside and, and the tackles on the out trying to pass some of that stuff off. Cause there's been just too much leakage on some of that stuff so far this year. So yep. it's just basically making sure that you're doing your job with good fundamentals in this game that, that, is the is the emphasis particularly in the passing game other than that again i i think you're not going to expect to get as much out of this in terms of being able to see how you're going to hold up against say a clemson or a florida state or even a or, or even a uh, nc state you know those three teams all have defensive fronts that are closer to miami than the first first four opponents so uh so yeah that's 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 i think that's the basic way you got to think about it Yep, going to get a couple rapid-fire questions in from the chat. First, I'm going to ask a question. If you have a small business or a mid-sized business in this chat, listen up. You need to check out Congruity. They're a North Carolina-based national with national coverage, local presence, personal support straight from the Tar Heel State. We talk all the time about local businesses. They are one of them, and they've made it big, and they've made it big because they're so good at what they do. They empower small and mid-sized business owners with HR and payroll outsourcing, enabling you, the business owner, to handle your greatest assets while they handle your people. It's a wonderful way to do business. They do it the entire time with top-of-the-line technology. Every stage of your business's growth, stated our online platform. Everything's online these days. Congruity's got it nailed, and they're obsessed with customer service. They become part of your team doing all that heavy lifting, so you, once again, can handle your business in the business world. Go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. Everybody that is an Inside Carolina person, you go to congruityhr.com front slash Tar Heels. You learn more about the business. You submit a form. You get a free assessment. They're doing that for Carolina fans. They're doing that for Inside Carolina listeners. CongruityHR.com front slash Tar Heels. Let Darren and Matt and their team provide you a personalized local experience once again, straight from this state, the Tar Heel State. Jason, we're running up on the hour, and I know what the hour means because I hear some little voices. So let's do rapid fire questions. 
Do you think Carolina needs to win these next three games convincingly, capital convincingly, in order to get the CFPIs on them for consideration? I, I just think, think they need to win the next three. I agree with that. Just win. Yep. If, bottom line, bottom line, if this team runs the table and beats Clemson, NC State, and then beats Florida State, they're in the playoff. Yep. I, I don't think it's going to matter. I don't think it's going to matter how much they win by because having Drake May automatically gives you credibility in terms of having a superstar type player, which affects the way that people think about you. And then the other thing is your strength of schedule is not really in question. Cause I think that, I mean, that Miami team has a win over Texas A&M, right? Clemson is a good football team and that's going to be become more evident as the season goes along. And that Florida state team beat the brakes off of that LSU team that also is, you know, a quality team and, you know, and also has a win over Clemson. So it's basically, you just have to win. Just win each game the remainder of the year. The eye test does not matter as much. Just just survive. Yep, Jordan Taylor, that answers your question as well. Uh, offensive MVP and defensive MVP in this game for Carolina. Uh, I'm going to go with, well, I mean, is, is anybody other than May really your, your most valuable player on offense? I mean, come on. You literally could say that every week. Yeah, it, he is the most valuable player. Period. Now, if we're just talking about the player of the game, which I think is what this mat, what this means, probably Hampton on offense because I think he's going to get the get the ball a lot in this game. Uh, defensively, um, it's probably a Cedric Gray game. There you go. Uh, Hill Wizards, you got a ton of questions. What other wide receivers should get more playing time against Virginia? I'd like to see Christian Hamilton. I'd like to see Chris Culliver. Um, it remains to be seen. To Jason's point earlier, North Carolina needs to get out. Get out ahead and so you can play those guys. Mark Williams, can Virginia stop North Carolina's running game? I do not think so. Uh, but that's but why, that's they, play why the they play the game. Exactly. Uh, MCAM asked a question earlier. I kind of got to it. How important are these games for the rushing offenses? Uh, you know, I think if North Carolina is going to be what they want to be against the teams later in the season, that running game needs to stay alive. Jeff Polly, Tez will be doubled, doubled every play from now on. Great. And I, and I think that that would be ideal. <laughs> if teams want to do that, that's the whole point of there's Clemson a reason. won't double him and Florida state won't double him a bunch, but everybody else will have to. And we talk about gravity yeah. And that gravity becomes a big factor. That Clemson, Clemson's Wiggins, number two, their corner. He he's 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 good enough to to go one on one with Tez and not give up a ton. He he's that, really good. That would be it. That's Nate Wiggins, right? That would yeah. be the that's the kid that had the pick six last year in the championship ACC yeah, championship he is, game. He is really really good. He's gotten okay. better from last year. And they 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 will Clemson will single him if they single Keon Coleman. They'll they'll single that they'll have the 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 wherewithal or they'll have the confidence to single uh, Wiggins on on Tez. Tez may well get over the top a couple times, but but Wiggins is really good. Yeah, uh, Drew in the chat. How many hundred plus yard receivers does Carolina have thus far on the season? Don't look. Okay, so you got Tez, McCollum, Pesor, uh two of the tight ends so that's five um jj jones has over 300 so that or, or over 100 so that's uh that's six uh are we counting backs because if so that's seven it's at least seven might be eight it is actually seven all three tight ends out of over 100 omarion hampton has only 98 oh come on <laughs> oh. hey i got the seven so i, I feel good <laughs> they have uh one two three four five six seven eight guys averaging over 10 yards a catch and uh of course nate mccollum leading the team tez walker leading the team in per game at 87 that number will surely rise uh real fast give me a number and i missed the question clemson miami prediction I think it's going to be a low-scoring game because I think Clemson is offensive offense deficient, but maybe the best defense in the country. Uh, and I think I think Miami is going to 
have some trouble again. So I'm going to go with uh, Clemson uh, 24, uh, Miami 20. That'd be an interesting game. North Carolina, Virginia prediction. We don't have Greg here. Um, I know what Greg would say. Probably bloodbath would be in there and beat down and things like that. Um, but I'll I'll text him for his score and I'll announce that on IC Live Saturday. But what you got, Carolina Virginia? Yeah, um, I I do think this is a game that North Carolina should win resoundingly, comfortably. Um, I'm gonna go because I I do think this will also be a game with fewer possessions than often the case because I think Virginia is gonna try to kind of shorten the game a little bit. And I think North Carolina is gonna run it. Uh, so I still think you're going to see probably over 40 points. So, uh, I'm going to go with North Carolina, 45, Virginia, Virginia, nine, 45 to nine, bringing back conjuring up images of Carolina and Florida state 41 to nine. Yeah. Uh, two weeks after 9-11, I guess in 2001. That was 2001. I uh, Three minutes let, left, women's soccer, still 1-1. One, one. I got to get my girls up there for to, to watch one of those games. They, it's a they great love, place. They love that stuff. Great place to do it. Um, yeah, I'm going to go Carolina. I'm going to go Carolina 44-22, to a couple garbage touchdowns for uh, – for Virginia against the third and fourth string guys. But uh, I can't even remember what I said. 44-22, Carolina wins. Doesn't cover. That's Jason Staples. Of course, I'm host Tommy Ashley. Shout out to the 450-plus that were here most of the night. Shout out to everybody that submitted questions. If you're in the Bowls lot on Saturday, come see Joey and I. Joey and me in the Bowls lot at 3.30 to 5.30 ahead of North Carolina's kickoff with Virginia at 6.30. Shout out to Johnny T-Shirt and Congruity for sponsoring us. And as always, we will be back for the day after at 9 a.m. on Sunday. North Carolina, Virginia on Saturday. Jason, as always, my friend. Always fun.